As we move through this holy season of Lent, we come on this beautiful gospel reading today of the woman at the well. We're so used to the story that maybe we don't realize just how jarring it is. Jesus and his disciples are walking through Samaria, and that alone is quite a statement. The Jews and the Samaritans, to say the least, did not like each other, did not get along, and tried to avoid each other. Then, as Jesus sat by the well, a woman came by to draw some water. And this is really strange, because it said that it was about noon. And the custom back then, and in primitive societies even today, was that the women of the community would come to the well early in the morning, and perhaps in the evening, but never at noon. It would be a grand social event, an opportunity to visit, to socialize, to catch up with all the local news, in other words, the gossip, and all the time while getting the day's supply of water for one's family. But this woman apparently was outside that social circle, and Jesus knew why. He knew exactly why. And another thing as well, practically the last thing that a Jewish person would do would be to drink from a cup offered by a Samaritan. They did not share food or water or utensils. And yet he asked for a drink, for he was hungry and he was thirsty. Is it no wonder that when his disciples returned, they said that they were amazed that he was talking to a woman? For even today, in most of the Middle East, a man will never be alone speaking to a woman that is not a member of his own family. No wonder, 2,000 years ago, the disciples were so amazed. And we can see how intense this encounter was when Jesus says to the woman, Go call your husband and come back. And the woman answered and said to him, I do not have a husband. And of course, Jesus answered her, You are right in saying you do not have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. This is why she was shunned by the other women. It's rather doubtful that she was widowed five times, and that still wouldn't explain why she was living with a man that she was not married to. And we do know something else as well, that a woman could not divorce her husband for any reason whatsoever. But a man could divorce his wife for any reason he chose or for no reason at all. But this woman had been cast aside five times. Not a great way to build your self-esteem. It must have been a miserable existence. Yet Jesus reaches out to her and he asks her for a drink for he was thirsty And what is it that Christ thirsts for? The reading shows us the answer. When he says that his food is to do the work of the Father's will, to bring in the harvest of souls, for as he tells the disciples, look up and see that the fields are ripe for the harvest. The hunger, the thirst that Jesus has, is his thirst for our souls. And in today's gospel, he pulls out all the stops. He stays in Samaria to preach and teach. He breaks through to a woman who is already broken by the traumas of her life. And he accepts even the food and the drink of the Samaritans. He dares in that ancient time to be alone and to speak with a woman. And he turns her into an evangelist. 
And perhaps most amazingly of all, Jesus says something that he had never done before and would not do again until his trial. He tells the woman that he is indeed the Messiah, the Savior of the world. He would allow Peter to say it. But to the Samaritan woman, he is shockingly direct. For when she says to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one called the Christ, Jesus replied, I am he, the one speaking with you. How great is the thirst of Jesus Christ for souls. How great. All of us have a God-shaped hole in our heart that can only be filled for him. All of us thirst for meaning, for life, for purpose, for salvation. And this thirst is a thirst for Christ, a thirst that can only be satisfied by him. But even more, much, much more, even more, Christ thirsts for us. He searches for us. We read in the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible, that wonderful scene that John the Evangelist has of heaven. We have Jesus saying to us, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will enter his house and dine with him and he with me. And as he calls us to our heavenly destiny, he says even something that's even more remarkable. He says, I will give the victor the right to sit with me on my throne as I myself first won the victory and sit with my father on his throne. He doesn't just call us to be saved from hell with the soles of our feet burning as we barely escape the fire, but to sit with him on his throne, triumphant over the powers of sin and death. This is why whenever we have in our parish someone who is preparing for baptism at the Easter Vigil, we read this gospel, the gospel of the woman at the well, for we see that the greatest thirst that Jesus has is for the one who was just coming to him in faith and just coming to him through the saving waters of baptism. Nothing quenches his thirst more than one who was coming to faith one who was coming to salvation. But there's more to Jesus' thirst than this, because he thirsts for you. He thirsts for each one of you individually. He thirsts for you to listen and to accept his holy word in the scriptures and to allow them to change you. He thirsts for you to be nourished by his body and blood at Holy Mass. He especially thirsts for you When you turn from him in sin, he thirsts for you to turn away from sin and to be faithful to the gospel, to turn to him in the sacrament of confession and be healed. He thirsts for you to be his ambassadors to a fallen world, to bring in the harvest of souls, to be a sign of his mercy and love. He thirsts for you to fulfill his two greatest commandments, to love the Lord your God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. He thirsts for you. Quench the thirst of Christ. 
Turn to him with your whole heart. Let every part of your life be given to him and nothing held back. If the world is to be one for Christ, if the long reign of sin and death is to be over, if lost souls are to turn to him and live, if the powers of evil are to be defeated, then it is we who must turn to him with our whole hearts. It is we who have the power to quench the mighty thirst of Christ for souls. For he thirsts for you. This Lent on Ash Wednesday, we all came to this holy place to come forward and receive ashes upon our forehead, made from the burned palms of last Palm Sunday. And we heard those words, repent and believe in the gospel. And in doing so, we acknowledge that we all have a way to go in our journey as disciples of Jesus Christ. So in prayer and in fasting and almsgiving and works of mercy, we strive to quench the thirst of Christ, who even on the cross thirsted for us. I thirst, he said. And he was not just referring to the people of that time but he was thirsting for each one of you as he died on the cross. Quench the thirst of Christ. Turn to him with your whole heart. Make this Lent a preparation, not just for this Easter that will occur in April of this year, but for the eternal Easter that never ends in that place of eternal glory where every tear will be wiped away and where we will become like God for we shall see him as he is.